The Weekly Driver Podcast receives support from americantrucks.com, your late model Silverado, Sierra, Ram, and F-150 online aftermarket retailer, bringing you all of the hottest parts from accessories to lift kits, from wheels to tires and winches. americantrucks.com has the knowledge and know-how to make your wildest dreams come to reality. Visit americantrucks.com for your chance to win $17,760 in upgrades for your truck. Welcome to episode 25 of the Weekly Driver Podcast. My name is James Rea. I'm the editor and publisher of theweeklydriver.com. My co-host, as always, is Bruce Aldrich. And today for our 25th episode, we have a special guest, uh, my longtime friend, Chuck Woodbury. Chuck is the um, master of all things RVing. He owns a, a very important, very uh, well-received, very popular website, rvtravel.com, and he has several auxiliary sites and all kinds of experts writing for him. He also has a free newsletter that you can subscribe to um, on his website, uh, www.rvtravel.com. Uh, good morning, Chuck. I guess it's afternoon where you are. How are you doing today? Yeah, this afternoon. I'm doing great, James. And you are in where? Texas for a while. Yeah, I'm near Kerrville. It's up um, in the foothills outside San Antonio. Real pretty area. Oh, great. You were telling me the other day where you're staying um, that there are, uh, I just struck struck a chord with me, I just remembered that there are some uh, miniature horses or miniature ponies and some other wild animals that are literally with, within touching distance of where you're staying in the, in the campground. Yeah, it's kind of um I took a walk the other day and um you know I mean being from spending most of my time in California and Washington and you know exploring the west a lot but I haven't been down to Texas and certainly not this area and um there's just some really odd interesting creatures down here I mean there's these wild deer that called axis deer that were brought in for game farms and escaped and they're um they're beautiful deer uh but they're past the, the farmers don't like them, and um, and you can hunt them all year long. You don't even need a light, uh, hunting license, but they're everywhere, and they're beautiful. And they they're all behind the motorhome all day long. And then, then there's miniature uh, horses in the little pasture here that you know they're like two and a half feet tall. And and then taking a walk the other day and looking over into this river right behind us, there's a catfish in there. I'm telling you, it's four or five feet long. It was a monster. <laughs> That kind of, I guess that kind of ties into it, the bigger picture of the experiences people have RVing, whether they're you know part-time RVers, full-time RVers. Um, it's a good transition yeah. into the fact that I read this morning. I think you posted, as a matter of fact, in the news section of your of your website RVTravel.com, that um, a half a million RVs were sold uh, last year, mm-hmm. and. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't read far, far enough into the story to know if that's an all-time record or an improvement in recent years. And if it is, what what do you think the reason for that is? Are there, or are there several reasons? Yeah, that was an all-time record. And there, uh, if the economy doesn't go uh, bust, uh, it's going to just get bigger. Um, you know, RVs have gone from being just camping 
uh, you know, things you took out for a weekend. And these RVs today, uh, anybody who goes to an RV show um, and looks around, it doesn't take you long to figure out that these are really like little houses. They have all the accommodations. And I mean all. They have heated floors. They have two bedrooms, two baths, wine coolers, fireplaces, residential refrigerators, automatic vacuum systems, um, washer dryers, dishwashers. It goes on and on. And so uh, you've got baby boomers who are retiring, and they, you know, they look at these things and go, "Wow, this is as comfortable as a, a you know, a condo, a, a condo or a small house." And then you've got millennials who can work from anywhere, so they say, "Hey, why should I work in one place when I can get one of these things cheaper than I can buy a house?" But then you've got uh, the people that don't have, that are barely getting by who buy these things and find a cheap RV park and and stay in it. Um, and then you've got the traditional people that, that just want to go out for a week or two and camp. And um, so you've got all these people that suddenly are uh, can go out and um, travel this way or live this way. I, I, I like to say that these really, nowadays, um, except for the real small RVs, they really are mobile homes and not recreational vehicles. Uh, so many people are just living in them. Um, you know, all or, or half the year. Um, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and the industry's done a good job of promoting it. They make it look really wonderful. Um, unfortunately, they also make it way too easy to buy. They will stretch payments out for 15 or 20 years, um, putting people way upside down in loans and they can get out in trouble later. So there's, it, it's so appealing, people fall in love with it. And that's the... Um, and that's why there so many are selling. That's interesting, Chuck. Um, I'm just been dabbling in RV myself now for about a year. I'm mm -hmm. one of those guys who rents mm -hmm. a couple weeks and, and travels. And I wonder what mm -hmm. what would you tell a new prospective buyer uh, the difference between a a coach, a motorhome, and a trailer, or a coach pulling a, a car or all that, they're, they're all different. They, they're good at some things and not good at the other. What, what's a, how, how would you decide what to buy? Well, um, first off, if somebody's going to be traveling a lot, moving around a lot, the motorhome's probably better. Uh, well, at least that used to be. Nowadays, most people are, um, are pulling a little car like we do. We have a little Honda Fit. Sure. But um, generally, the fifth wheels are the biggest, the roomiest, um, but to, to uh, travel with a fifth wheel, these are really good for people that stay in one place for a long time. Uh, they have a, a vehicle there. They have a, a truck to get around with. Um, sometimes these are rather large. So that becomes your sightseeing, you know, do errands kind of vehicle. Um, and then the fifth wheel just stays there. It doesn't have any space occupied with a driving compartment. And so uh, that's very appealing to people that like to stay for a long time. Um, the motorhome, if you don't have, uh, don't tow a little car or something behind you or bring a motorcycle, then once you get to a campsite and you set up, if you don't have something then, and you want to just go get a quart of milk, you're kind of out of luck or you want to go tour around, you're, uh, it's hard. So you almost have to have a tow vehicle to have any mobility. Uh, that said, if you have a small motorhome, um, and some members, uh, you know, the class B's they're called, which are almost like a van. Um, you can take those and you can take, they're, they're not much longer than a, a, a pickup truck and they're very low. They have everything. Um, 
uh, packed in, including showers and bathrooms. And um, you can even park them in a lot of garages. So those, you know, as a just traveling with one of those alone is um, perfectly fine for people who aren't don't need a lot of space or a lot of storage. So really, it, it depends on the person, um, and, and there is no one uh, of those options that is going to be 100% to any one person. There's there's give and take. Um, and that's why people should go to RV shows, look at them, talk to people, do their research, and and rent one first to see how that you know what they think of it. Yes, that's probably a good idea. I know I've had friends. They start off with you know I don't know uh, something small, maybe a twenty-two footer, mm-hmm. and then within two three years they're in a twenty-eight, and then next thing you know mm-hmm. they're in a you know thirty-five or something. That seems to be a, a typical progression too. That you want more space. Yeah, um, our, the, the typical RV buyer will buy four or five RVs in their lifetime, and very often they'll start off with a little trailer. You know, when they're young, with their families, and they're a small trailer. You buy one used or new, it's going to be anywhere from you know uh, ten thousand to twenty thousand dollars and thirty thousand dollars, anywhere depending on new or used. And, and if you've got a decent sized car, um, you can pull any more. There's a lot of lightweight vehicles. Um, you can pull it with an SUV. Um, so they do that for a while. Then, like you say, they you know, they want a little more space. They want a you know, bigger bathroom. They want something else, or they just decide they want something different. They go on an RV show, fall in love, buy something else. And then some people will go up to a motorized RV someday. Right now, about three quarters of the RVs out there are towables. That would be travel trailers and fifth wheels. And motorhomes are a smaller uh, part of the market, but um, generally they're most expensive because they've, you know, got the engine in there as well. However, that said, you can buy um, a fifth wheel and spend sixty, seventy, eighty thousand for it, maybe a hundred thousand for a really nice one. And but you've got to have a, a good size pickup, uh, and those things can be fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars anymore, right? Maybe even more. I don't know. Um, uh, so, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, there's so many variables. Chuck, um, going back to what you were talking about earlier with the increase in the number of people who are deciding that, you know, RVing is for them, there was a, a recent mm-hmm. story in the San Jose area in Northern California and, and probably mm-hmm. in other areas as well where, where there is this uh, mobile, uh, almost mobile to redefining the term mobile. People are uh, staying in parking lots for three or four nights. They get word from their landlord they mm-hmm. can't stay there anymore. Um, what mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on that part of the industry where people can't afford Bay Area homes, but they can afford to buy an old mm-hmm. RV and and pretty much move around all the time? Are there are there pros and cons to that? And and where is the industry with that? The industry really doesn't pay any attention. The industry is concerned about selling motor, selling RVs, period. They yes. don't care what happens afterwards. They pay, pay no attention. The campground industry is concerned with uh, their members. I, I can't remember, some like 3,000 members. And their interest is in helping their campgrounds maximize their profits. They don't, some guy's got a, um, a campground in one city. The last thing he wants is another one down the street, even though there's demand for it. Um, the, the, the idea of the uh, homeless or nearly homeless people living in these things 
it makes perfect sense. I've seen it coming for 10, 20 years. Uh, when you, you a, a motorhome, a, a trailer will depreciate to the point where and, and fall apart, leak, whatever, where it's virtually unsaleable um, to most people. But some uh, somebody can buy one for five hundred or a thousand or two thousand dollars, get the money somehow, and um, you know it's a lot better than being on the streets. And they'll park they, they'll park it somehow. They'll find a way to to uh, move it somewhere. The word gets out among the among um, that group of people um, where they can stay without the police evicting them. Um, increasingly, they're staying at Walmart parking lots, which have always welcomed our viewers. But um, Walmart is not real happy with it uh, because this is not the, the type of crowd that they um, had for many years. Part of the problem is, you know, these RVs have toilets, and and where do you dump the toilets? And, and all too often now, uh, there's horror stories of these people uh, having, you know, just dropping it down a, a storm drain or dropping it in the, uh, just somewhere where they where it's not you know, it's not supposed to be, including parking lots. Um, as far as the other people you're talking about, that's people that are really kind of, you know, they may be, if they're down in the Bay Area, down in San Jose, and they're making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year, um, that might sound like a lot if you're in some little rural town in the Midwest, but down there, it's, it's, it's pretty tough getting by. They can find, they can buy an RV for a lot less than they can buy a home. They can put it in an RV park live in it very comfortably and that's a good option for them so um so my feelings about that is there's kind of a reason for all of uh, uh for the many ways that people live in rvs uh, including the traditional one would go back 20 30 years which was pretty much just for camping you're a, you're an expert in this area you're at the forefront of all this you and i have had discussions mm -hmm. about this what are what are your concerns and, and what are your recommendations to people who uh, aren't the, the people we were talking about previously, the, 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 the vacationers or the people who are considering this, but the people mm -hmm. who are very mobile, what are your concerns and, and recommendations to people who might be living in a Walmart parking lot or might be living in a, in a campground because they can't afford a home? What, what are your thoughts? Well, that particular, the people that, that live in them, and they, you know, like I said, if you live in a, if you can't afford anything else, um, Face it, if you don't have any money, you can't get by, you're older and Social Security, or you just can't make enemies, then you've got to do what you got to do. And if it's uh, staying in an RV, getting an RV as cheap as you can and staying in it, I mean, think about it. That's, if, if I, you know, were penniless, I'd a lot prefer to spend my night at night in an RV than I would sleeping in a, uh, out on the streets. So, um, but for the casual RVers, the one that, that the, the industry keeps promoting the idea of go where you want, when you want, which used to be true. You used to have great mobility in an RV. You used to be able to just go out and, I mean, I can t tell you that for uh, until about, oh, seven, eight, maybe 10 years ago, I never made a reservation for an RV park or a campground um, because uh, there was always something available. I'd start looking at four o'clock and I'd drive in and there would be something there. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. They're all packed. Um, and so you've got to make reservations, and it's and, and this idea of going where you want and what you want is, which is being uh, in all the ads that are placed by the industry is just simply it's not true anymore. Um, it's a real challenge. And now that said, you can still go out and find a drive five miles down a dirt road and find a, a forest service campground or uh, a, a state park or something, 
and um, stay there. But these people that have bought an RV with all the comforts, they do not want to be out in the middle of nowhere, except for a small element, and that's called boondocking. But for a lot of these people that buy these to live in or spend a lot of time in, that's um, they, they just don't want to be out there in the middle of nowhere. And, and the other thing is they can't get their Wi-Fi. They can't get a, a cell phone connection. They can't. Um, everybody wants to have all their electronics with them today. So um, they don't want to be in the middle of nowhere except for that, you know, obviously you get the, you get the young families that want to go out and, and be in the national parks. They'll go to some small national park and they'll drive down a dirt road and they'll spend a week out there camping, having campfires. And, you know, that's still there. But it's sort of being overwhelmed by these very plush, comfy um mobile homes that are um, um, taking up a lot of the spaces um, in the areas that are more easy to get to, and especially the ones that have utility hookups. Well, Chuck, I think you nailed me. I'm, I guess I'm called a boondocker, because I'm the guy that goes out four miles on the dirt roads, and uh, we have a great time out there just doing what we want to do, having campfires. Um, of course, you know, you have to take care of sanitation about every three days or so, at least the coach we had, to, to empty, the, uh -huh. empty the tanks. But, uh, yeah, we had a, our best camping was in the boondocks. We call it dry camping. Uh, we also did a couple nights. We did a truck stop, which is terrible, trucks going in, in and out all uh -huh. night. And then we did some other uh, sort of off in the next to uh, some of the big hotels they sometimes have big parking lots and we just kind of mm -hmm. stealth camp and that worked fine too we keep the the shutters uh, closed and the lights down low and we were good the boondocking thing um real fast is um especially in the west when in southwest we've got all the endless government um lands where you can just go out and stay for a couple weeks no charge and be by yourself that's still absolutely out there but you get back in the East Coast, cross the Mississippi, and, and you just won't find those kind of lands quite as easily. Um, so it's a lot easier for people in the West to do that than it is for people in the East. Um, and it's a wonderful way to go. RVs are self-contained. You can go out and stay for a week or two or three using solar. Some people have little windmills that they uh, get power from. You can buy little devices that you um, hook into your, um, dump your holding waste into, then those go in the back of your pickup and you drive them to a sanitation dump. You can pick up additional water. Um, you can stay out there pretty much as long as you want if you learn how to, how to do it. And somebody had a question. The, the, I was going to mention one quick thing and that'll lead into a question. Yes, I remember last year as a, a journalist who covers bicycle racing, there was a team uh, mm -hmm. that visited the Lake Tahoe, South Lake Tahoe region from Russia. And Katusha was the name of the team, and, and uh, a guy, a, a husband and wife team who were watching the race noticed that the team from Russia was um, letting go of its waist right on the on the public street, and they sent the they sent the video to the race directors, and and that RV and the and the team uh, spokesperson and the PR guy and the people in the RV they all got sent home to Russia, so they they, they got them real quick, yeah. and uh, you know. It's, it, it's a, it was just complete, you know, waste on a public street. It was terrible. That was the, um, the, the little sidelight. The, the one thing I was going to ask about is it, and this is a good time to mention mm -hmm. it, is that you have a, a, a free newsletter um, that mm -hmm. is weekly, and you're in your 830th issue, I believe. You've been doing it for 16 mm -hmm. years, 
And for, for anyone who's mm -hmm. interested, whether you're a new person in the RV industry or you're a person who's experienced and you need expertise in all different kinds of areas, go to Chuck's website, rvtravel.com, sign up for his almost endless amount of newsletters that you can get it, and there's all the information you could ever need about people who want to try mm -hmm. RVing or, or experts. So I wanted to mention that in passing. But my other question yeah, is, thank you. oh, you're welcome. We, we've been friends for, I'm, I'm guessing, I was thinking about the other day, probably about 40 years now. And I remember your mm -hmm. first time that you went out in your very tiny little um, motorhome camper. Yeah. And you traveled yeah. around all these small countries and you had a publication. And, and now that's transitioned in the online world. Can you recall the first time that you went out in, in that machine, <laughs> that beast that you had, the little, the little one, compared to mm -hmm. what you do now, and is it just a light years of difference? Well, you know, frankly, when I started, um, when I bought my first little um, RV, which was in like the late 80s, yes. it was a little 18-foot motorhome, it had all the basic stuff, and it was, it was uh, not a lot different from the basic RVs of today, it's just that the ones today have got longer, they've got slide-outs, which was a game changer because now you can you know you can take one wall goes out and the other wall goes out and you've got all oh, you, you have a room you have a room in there that's pretty much it can be the size of the room you'd have in a typical home you know yes or apartment um so yeah they, they've changed dramatically i mean i'm i have a 32 foot motor home and um and i travel in it full time and you know it's got a, a bedroom and then the kitchen and a little living room and one bathroom it's pretty modest but I, you know, I'm I'm comfortable in a small space. Um, it's comfortable to me as it, as it would be in a home. Um, but yeah, the, the uh, you know they, they're they're generally speaking, I guess the change would be that if you want all the extras uh, today, you can have them. And the idea of creating these things for camping has sort of every year the industry has added more um, more options to the point where over that 30 years in my case they've gone from camping vehicles to um um to having um low end still being camping vehicles but the high end or half the market at least being um big enough for someone to live in full time and, and there are people living in 20 foot uh travel traders full time <clears throat> full time so um it kind of depends on what a person needs but um but no, I you know I think if you go back 20 years before I started, where the lights were butane and you know there was no heaters and uh, <laughs> yeah. there was no holding tanks and um, yeah that was a lot different. So it's the the opportunities for uh, comfort are vastly improved these days. Yeah, g going along that line, I was going to ask you what some of the big improvements. Uh, slide outs is one, probably LED lighting. Mm -hmm. What else, uh, what are some other yeah. big advancements? Well, I mean, it depends. Advancements would be... Creature uh, comforts, I guess. What, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking to live in it? If you're looking to live in it, then there's everything that you could buy in a house, you could buy in an RV. I can't think of anything um, that you can't buy, you know, microwave, catalytic ovens, um, um, built-in um, coffee pots. I mean, I, I can't think of anything that you can't have in an RV. You just, oftentimes you have to worry about kind of miniaturizing it. I mean, we have a little crock pot we take with us and it, you know, it's a third of the size of the one I, I had at home. Um, so you're not be cooking for big crowds. And certainly the, the limiting factor would be 
um, what you can bring along with you. There's only so much weight you can carry in these things. Um, um, so, um, you know, you, you, you definitely learn what's important and what's not important in terms of your possessions. Um, if you're doing it full-time or even for two, three months at a time, you realize you can get by on a lot less. Um, but advancement slide-outs would have been a huge one, uh, probably the biggest one that I can think of. Um, electric heating, electric water heaters, um, or game changers. For some people, having a, just having a washer dryer, you know, some of the bigger ones for people that live in, it means they don't have to go to laundromats. And you know, a lot of people, when they leave a the house, they, they don't like going to laundromats anymore. I didn't, um, so, uh, but I do. Um, so uh, they're better insulated. Um, they're probably better built, although there's an awful lot of issues right now with quality because the industry is cranking out so many RVs. Um, uh, but advancements, just, they're just more like homes that easily move. That's I see, yes. That's it, yeah. Chuck, you hit on the area of uh, all of these new RVs and, and your, your concerns about um, you know, quality and the, the mm-hmm. lack of lemon laws, if you will. Maybe it's called something different in the RV mm-hmm. industry, or maybe there aren't any at all. What What are your concerns about that? And, and what do you Where do you see improvement? What, what What do you recommend in that part of the the industry, which, as you've mentioned several times, it just it's growing um, every day. Mm-hmm. Well, um, there are very few lemon laws. The RV, there's, uh, there's a couple of different major. Um, RV organizations, um, the one that represents campgrounds and the ones that represent manufacturers, and their loyalty is to their commercial members. It's not to RVers. There is no national organization anymore that looks out for the interests of RVers. There's nobody back in Washington that's lobbying or in state legislatures that's lobbying for lemon laws for RVers. The only lobby that's going on is, is against lemon laws because the dealers, the manufacturers do not want lemon laws. It just it, it means they've got to build better quality or, you know, take them back. They don't want that. Um, so there's really nobody out there that's um, looking after the RVers anymore. It's a, it, to me, it's a huge problem. I'm probably the only voice out there these days that's actually uh, uh, trying to promote more, um, that, trying to get the companies to do something more to uh, improve their products. I mean, many of the RV manufacturers today do not even inspect their RVs once they're do a final inspection before they send them off to dealers. Um, it's up to the dealers to find problems, and some dealers will go through and look and find problems. Others just uh, just look the other way. Um, um, there's a huge shortage of RV technicians these days. They uh, they generally the dealers don't pay very well, and um, uh, and so it's, it can be very difficult to get an RV fixed. And we get horror stories all the time about people who buy an RV and it's riddled with defects and they have, they spend six months, uh, the first six months with the RV, four months are spent trying to get work done. And I don't mean to say that this is the way it always is because it's not, but there's too much of that. And these poor people that are spending $100,000 and $200,000 on an RV, you kind of expect like a car that it's going to be, everything's going to be right. Well, these are not like cars. They're hand-built. Every RV is built. And, you know, they put the kitchen in, they put the, it's not just going through an assembly line and robots doing everything exactly the same. There are people. Um, Elkhart, Indiana, where uh, 80% of our RVs are made, has a huge labor shortage. 
They can't get enough people to build them, keeping up with demand. So they're taking people they probably shouldn't. Um, and so there's, there's, when you've got this many RVs being cranked out um, and the demand is so great, these manufacturers are, you know, kind of, they, a lot of them remember bad times. They just say, hey, we're going for it. We're going to get as many as we can out. Um, and they, they just go flat out. And I'm afraid that, that its quality um, does suffer. I, I know that so you've... It, um... Go ahead, James. Thank you. I, I know that we've talked also that you've you've gone you've uh, increased people who were writing to you with these concerns. You've you've uh, more and more printed their letters and their concerns. So it's just not, you know, Chuck Woodbury. Um, if you'll forgive me, getting on his high horse. This is your your opinions and your knowledge is complemented by the people who are writing with all of these concerns and and people who have those concerns can you know go to your site and, and read. The letters from these people who have yeah. suffered just like you're talking about. Yeah, there's, I mean, we get, uh, you know, dozens of letters um, in a month, uh, or more than that. I mean, it depends. If we have a story about something that happened to somebody, we'll get comment after comment after comment of, uh, from people that have had something similar. Um, there's only three companies now, um, Thor, Winnebago, and Forest River, that control 80% of the market. They've acquired other all the little guys. So you've only got three big companies out there pulling the strings. And it's not like you have a, a huge amount of competition anymore. And that's not good. Um, um, but yeah, we, we I, I'm not a big enough guy, big enough operation to hire lobbyists and do all the things. But I can put the word out there as best I can and, and let people vent when they've had a problem. You know, there's usually two sides to every story. So and we try to not run the stuff where you, you know, you think maybe this is some somebody's got a chip on their shoulder. Um, but there's no question that the the amount of, of uh, problems people are having is greater than it's ever been. And um, and when you're putting that kind of money down, a lot of money down, and um, some people putting way too much, buying way beyond their means because they can finance it for 20 years, for Pete's sake. Yes. That's crazy. Yes, it is. Crazy. You, you, you're going to be upside down in your loan for... 10, 12 years, okay. and um, you know, and, and often if they're older people, they're in their 60s, they buy one of these for 20 years, and, one, and they're a couple, and one of them gets sick three years later, and they, they can't, they got they lose a job, whatever happens, and they go to sell it, and they find they've got to come up with 10, 20, 30, I've had one woman write me that needed to come up with $80,000 just to get out from under her loan, I mean, this is, this is crazy, and um, and then you go to RV shows, you'll see RVs for sale with no money down. That's they, these things lose 25% of their value the minute they go out to, uh, out to you know, drive off the lot. They're not investments. Yes. And they're, they're luxuries. Um, again, I don't want to sound like all doom and gloom, but you've got to do your due diligence in buying them. You've got to be sure that, you know, look everywhere. There's shortcuts everywhere. You've got to know what you're looking for. And... Uh, um, and a lot of people just buy, as they say, the bling. They just look at it and go, oh, this is, looks so pretty. This layout is so great. I, I love where the TV is. I love the kitchen. And they don't look at, notice the cabinets are, you know, screwed or stapled together rather than screwed and, and all kinds of things. They don't look at the plumbing. They don't look at the wiring. You know, they, they you know, RV makers are, are supposed to put in so many plugs for every size RV. If it's a 30 foot RV, they got to have so many plugs. Well, doesn't say where they put the plugs, and they could put four 
basically right in a row or very close because they can save you know fifty dollars on wiring you know, but nobody sees that so that's the kind of thing that people have to um, learn before they buy it so I will say this before I go on that people that do want to buy one should take their time talk to experts read all the everything they can online uh, go to the forums from people that own these rigs and ask questions and be darn sure that they're getting something that has a, a good probability of being a good rig. I say buy used because, um, you know, somebody else has worked out the books. Yes. Well, Chucky, uh, it was great to have you, uh, as I mentioned at the start, at 25th episode. We're, we're still new in our podcast, but um, thanks for being our guest on, on our show. Um, for the public out there, we want to make sure that you visit uh, Chuck's website, rvtravel.com. Sign up for one of his letters, newsletters, uh, electronic newsletters. They're free. All kinds of expertise with every area that you can imagine of, of RVing. He's got someone writing about it. If Chuck's not writing about it himself, his, his uh, roadside journal where Chuck talks about you know, his life and his travels is fantastic. And um, thanks, Chuck, for being our guest. Uh, make sure, again, to visit rvtravel.com. Make sure to visit my website, theweeklydriver.com, and sign up for my newsletter as well. Thanks, Chuck. We'll talk to you, uh, everybody, out there next week. Thanks again, Chuck. Thank you. Thanks, James and Bruce. Thanks. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. The Weekly Driver podcast gets support from AmericanMuscle.com, your late model Mustang and F-150 authority, bringing you the hottest products and top-notch customer service for over a decade. No one makes it easier to modify your ride. Visit AmericanMuscle.com today for your chance to win a 2018 Mustang RTR Spec 3.